Man, it's so good to see you guys. We want to welcome our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get up for Grayson, y'all? Man, so proud of you guys. I want to welcome everybody online, especially my crew in Virginia Beach. Holla at me. I know you guys are watching. And Paige in Tennessee, she Facebooked me last night, and she just wanted us to know she was praying for us, and God's going to do some great things. So we'll give a shout out to everybody online as well. I'm telling you what, God is up to something great here, y'all. I don't know if you know this or not, but last Sunday we saw 29 people give their life to Jesus, man. That is awesome. This past Tuesday night, I was able to preach on campus at a, at a college event. We saw seven people give their life to Jesus. And then the Thursday before last at Bell Grove, we saw 11 people. Folks, that was 47 people give their life to Jesus in five days. I think we should give God some praise. Look at the person sitting beside you and say, you picked a great day to come. Tell them right now. Come on, Grace, and tell them. Great day to come. Have you ever done something or you've been there and you experienced something so much that like you had to tell somebody, like you had to testify about it and, and you're explaining to somebody like you ain't going to believe it. I was there and this happened and this took place and they kind of look at you like a deer in a headlight, like they don't know what they're talking about. Like you're so passionate about the story, right? I mean, like my son this morning, he was so passionate. He was telling his friends that how him and I, we got our first duo win in Fortnite. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? Unless you were there, you can't experience, right? And so what happens is when you share your story like that sometimes, they look at you like, I don't understand you, man. What's going on? And here's what we say. Come on. We all say this. We all say this. Well, I guess you just had to be there, right? Come on. Anybody ever done that before, right? I guess you just, you've had to be there to fully understand it. You know, I'll never forget, like, it was on a Friday. It was March the 2nd, 2002. My family and I, we were going back to Sarysville. That's my wife's hometown. And we were going back. We had the car loaded up. The kids loaded up. You know, we're on the way there. We get there. And I like going back to my mother-in-law's house, man. Because when we go back there, we like fat food. You know what I'm talking about? Cooked with lard. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're going to eat good grub. You know, it's going to be fattening. Like, Lord, bless these calories. He ain't blessing them, y'all. He can't change the molecules. That's another whole message. But anyway, and uh, we're there and we're eating, you know, and everything's good. The kids are playing. And, and you got to know something about me. I'm married like Mrs. Santa Claus, if you know my wife, and, and a weather woman, you know, that she has them both down, and we're there, and, and she comes, and she goes, listen, they're saying there's bad storms taking place, I'm like, okay, bad storms, blah, 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 all this jazz, kids are playing, the wind picks up, come on in, kids, and I'm just, I love storms, like, I love listening to them, I like going outside and watching them on the porch, and they're just fascinating, and I'll never forget, you know, we're sitting here, I'm on the front porch, and this big wind comes through, and the trees are laying up, like, okay, okay, you know, this is up to something good today, this is going to be good. Next thing you know, I hear my wife screaming, get the kids in the basement, put them in the basement. I'm like, what's in the basement? She goes, get everybody in the basement. I'm like, what are you doing? They said they spotted a tornado. And I'm on the front porch going, I don't see no tornado. You know, I'm like, what in the world? And I'm sitting here watching. Next thing you know, the lights go out. It's pitch dark. There's lightning going and screaming. I'm like, uh, I better get in the basement. You know what I'm saying? And I run down in the basement. And I'm like, okay, we're in a basement. There's a storm. Glad we have a basement. And I love that my kids, my kids looked at me and said, Daddy, come on. We need to pray right now. I love that my kids know that when time's in need, they can turn to their heavenly father and talk to him. And so my kids pray. And I said, okay, let's pray. And I'm sitting there. Next thing you know, man, I'm telling you what, the wind was howling. It literally sounded like our entire roof was peeling off the building. And I'm still going, oh my gosh, we're going to die. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, and automatically, if you know me, my mind gets into escape mode. Okay, if the, if the ceiling falls down, we're in the basement, we're trapped. Do we have food? Do we have snacks? What do we have? I mean, what are we going to go? How are we going to get out of here and all this stuff? And I'm telling you what, literally, I was scared. Like, this is legit. 
And sure enough, we went out that night and hit a, a tornado hit right there in West Liberty and Sayersville. My father-in-law, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're driving over to his family's house. Three of my family's wife's uh, fam house were gone, completely wiped out. It looked like someone dropped a nuclear bomb in this place. But the next day, when we open up and it's daylight and you can see all the devastation, folks, it's heartbreaking. Unless you were there, unless you experienced, and I'm here to testify that God protected us, He kept us, He kept us safe through that, and I'm to tell about my experience, what I seen, what I heard, what I experienced, and how God delivered and protected us in this moment. Now, some of you, you may not have a dramatic story like that, and then I hope you never have to experience something like that. But for you, maybe it's when you had your kid, if you're a parent, right? Right, you had your first kid. I never forget my wife. She's like going for just a checkup, and we're walking, and the doctor said, listen, you're going to the hospital, and you're going to have the baby today. I said, what? The book, What to Expect When Expecting, says it's six weeks early. The baby's not coming. We don't have a crib. You know, what do you mean the baby's coming today? And I'll never forget, I walked in, and I'm a mess. I put this jumpsuit on. I had this big puffy hat on to keep my hair from going somewhere. I don't know what was going on. And the doctor said, are you okay? Do you need a chair? I said, give me a bed and some medicine. Man, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I mean, it's crazy. And then all of a sudden, right when you're a parent, you can testify. The baby comes out and you're like, oh my gosh. Your wife goes, he looks like you. It's a gremlin. I mean, it's an alien. It's got gook on it. What do you mean it looks like me? I think it looks like you, you know? <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh. And then they clean the baby up and you finally see, oh, it's a human. Right? I mean, you, you see it. And I'll, I'll never forget my wife. She couldn't go back. It was in the NICU. So I went back there to the NICU in my hand because he was six weeks early. It was about as big as my baby boy. And I put my hand on my boy and I begin to pray, God, I pray for his wife. I pray that you bless him with a godly wife. You have favor upon him. And all of a sudden I looked and I had that eye open and the nurse was standing there going, you crazy, man. You crazy. But until I testify, I became a dad. It was an experience. I want to share with that. And then the last one, my life radically changed. It was November 2007. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Never forget it. I was there, and in 2007, this radically altered. It changed the world, in my opinion. My mom, being a great, loving mom, she has bought me a gift. Sorry, sis, she didn't get you one, but she got me one. <laughs> and I have it here today. It's cherished. I keep it in a lockbox. The first ever iPhone. It still works. Changed my life. I was sitting there going, I can take pictures. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I still got, I'm gonna keep it. I'm hoping in the name of Jesus, it's gonna be worth a million dollars in 30 years. I'm, I'm declaring that right now, right? It works. And it changed my life. And now I'm a Mac evangelist. I'm like an Apple evangelist. Like if you have a PC, we're going to pray for you after service. You know, I mean, Mac is the way to go, yo. I mean, it changed my life. You see, when you've experienced something, when you've been touched by something, when you've been changed by something, you can't help but to testify. And today I want to talk to you about what it looked like to share your story. Like, what does it look like to testify, to witness? Here's a big word, evangelize. I'm going to help change your complete perspective on what it looks like for us to, to reach the people that are around us. So if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And what we're going to do, we'll walk through this passage. I'm going to share some things with you. And then I'm going to give you some practical steps. On what you can do to reach your roommate, your classmate, your teammate, your husband, your spouse, or, or your co-workers, or the people around. What do I do to reach those around me? Like, how do I do that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. I'll try to get you out of here by two. Here we go. <laughs> Verse 1. John says, that which was from the beginning. I just want to stop there and say, man, he's, he, he is, 
John has so much passion and so much urgency, he don't even give an introduction. He don't say, hey, my name is John, the one that Jesus loved. I'm the Apostle John. Grace and peace and mercy to you. He does it. He goes straight to the message because it's urgent. That which was from the beginning, which was Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen, we have looked at, we have touched, we now testify. I want to walk you through this. I want you to see what John is saying about his testimony here. He first says, listen to what I have heard. Verse 1, he says, what I've heard. See, John was there when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. He heard him say, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He heard him at the tomb of Lazarus say, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus walks out. He said, I've heard it with my own eyes in John 17. When he prays to the Father, I'm listening to him. I was on top of the mountain when I heard the voice of God said, this is my son, listen to him. Man, I cannot stop testifying. I cannot stop proclaiming of what I heard. I heard Jesus speak. I heard him claim that he is the Messiah. So if you think about putting someone on trial, we're putting John on trial here and say, tell us your witness. Tell us what you have heard. He goes on and says, and we have seen with our eyes. John said, I was there when Jesus walked on water. I saw it. I was there when Jesus turned water into wine and all the Presbyterians get excited. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was there. I saw that. I was there when, the, when he died on the cross. I watched him die. I watched the Roman soldiers take him down. I watched them place him in a borrowed tomb. And then on Sunday morning, I was there. I looked in the tomb, and he wasn't there. I seen it with my own eyes. Listen to me. John was like, man, you just had to be there. You just had to be there to experience I'm here to testify what I have seen. I'm here to testify what I have heard. And then he looks and says this. Look what he says in verse 1. He says this, which we have looked at. I love that. See, you think, well, he saw it and he looked at it. No, there are two different Greek words here. To look at it means to gaze upon it. To gaze upon it, what the word means is I examined it, I studied it to find out what is the meaning to understand and grasp who Jesus is. Here's his testimony. I saw it, I heard it, and then I researched it. And I studied him to see, is he truly the one to come? Is he truly the Messiah? And therefore, I begin to gaze upon him, which means I begin to worship him. And then he says this. Look what he says. He says, with our hands, I touched him. I touched him. Like John's like, you don't understand. We're sitting there eating around the table, and we bumped elbows, and I, and I touched him. I know it's like to go and pat Jesus on the back or him put his hand on me and he touches me and he, and he prays over me. I don't know, maybe they're like old Baptist people and they got around and hold hands and sweaty palms and prayed over the food. You know what I'm saying right now? Praise God for hand sanitizer. Can I get a witness? Like I touched his hand. But maybe what he's trying to say is, I was there when I saw his narrow pierced hands. When he said, touch me, put your hand in my side. I touched the risen Lord. Folks, listen, I've seen it. I've heard it. I studied him, and I saw him, and I touched him. Listen, you should have just been there. You had just to be there. The testimony is true. And then he says this at the end of verse 1. He says this. Look what he says. This we proclaim. So what is he saying? This is what I'm going to testify about. I seen it, I heard it, I experienced it. It was amazing. He touched me, I touched him. And I'm here to proclaim it, which means I'm here to preach it. I'm here to talk about it to everyone. Verse two, look what he says. This life, which is Jesus, we've seen it and to testify to it, we preach it, proclaim it. What are we proclaiming? That there's life after death. That's what eternal life is, which was what the Father 
Jesus was with him, and now he has appeared to us. He's trying to tell people, I have seen it with my own eyes. Verse 3, so now we proclaim it to you, what we've seen and heard. Now watch this. Let me help you when you read your Bible. You see that word, so that? When you're reading through your Bible and you see the word, so that, stop because he's about to tell you why. Why am I telling you what I've seen? Why am I telling you what I've heard? Why am I telling you what I gazed upon? Why am I telling you what I've touched? Why am I telling you what I proclaim? Listen to what he says. So that you may have fellowship with the family of God because you now have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. The reason why I testify, the reason why I share my story is so that you can have a relationship with God and with his family. I want you in the family of God. That's why I testify. That's why I witness. That's why I evangelize. That's why I tell my story because I want you to have a relationship with God the Father through his Son by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why I'm here. That's why John says I'm writing this letter to you. That's why I preach what I preach. And then he says in verse 4, I write this to make our joy complete. What does it mean? Folks, there's no greater joy in the world than seeing your family members come to Christ. There's no greater joy to see your son and daughter come to Christ. Your parents, your grandparents come to Christ. Your friends and your co-workers come to Christ. There's no greater joy than seeing people cross from death to life. And John says, because of that, we have to testify. Because of that, we have to proclaim. Because of that, we must share the gospel. We must share the good news. Now, what is the gospel's? Right, you, if you have your Bible, you have like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? You have four Gospels. What, what's the Gospel? Well, Gospel just means good news. What's the good news? Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave, and anyone who puts their faith in them will not perish in hell but have everlasting life and eternity. I don't know about you, that's some good news. That's shouting news for us who's the church. So when you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, what they're saying is this is the Gospel according to Matthew. This is the good news through the lens of Matthew. This is the good news through the lens of Mark. This is the good news through the lens of Luke and John. And when you think about how unique and different they are, they're pretty fascinating. Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's a Jew. And his whole point of writing the book of Matthew is to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. That's why the book of Matthew has more Old Testament quotes in it than the other Gospels. Because his whole perspective, his whole testifying... It's to those who are Jews to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament through Jesus. So that's when you read through the book of Matthew, you understand that. But then you have the book of Mark. Mark is written in a way that's so action-packed that it compares demons and spiritual warfare and how Jesus combats the demons. And he, he's, he's, he's preaching really through Mark. Mar I mean, through Peter. Peter and John Mark here are Mark are best friends. So what we get here in Mark actually comes from the eyewitness of Peter who tells Mark. We believe that Mark is probably the first gospel. Matthew's not the first just because it's first in the, in the New Testament. But Mark is probably the first one. And then we get to Luke. I love Luke. Luke is probably my favorite because he's like the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. Luke, Luke gets hired by a guy named Theophilus. We don't even know who Theophilus is. And here's what he says. I want you, Luke, who's a medical doctor, by the way, to go and examine the life of Jesus as you would a body, a sickness, and let me know the details. And if you want to know the details from the birth of Jesus to the life of Jesus to the end until he got up out of the grave, read the book of Luke. Because Luke, where he says the medical doctor, he's so detailed, which is fascinating because he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. 
So he, he's a, if, what's the difference? If you don't have any Jewish lineage in your bloodstream, in your DNA, then you're considered a Gentile. So he's a Gentile who's not even a Jew who's trying to do a detailed account for this guy named Theophilus. And that's where we get the book of Luke. And he writes in such a perfect Greek. He's very smart. You can see it. He gives eyewitness detail over and over and over about the life of Jesus. And then we get to the Gospel of John. John's all about belief. I just want you to believe. I just want you to be saved. It's very evangelistic. He's right to the, I just want you to understand what's happening. You got to give your life to Jesus over and over and over. And then I read this quote about there's a fifth gospel. Some of you Bible students going, fifth gospel? Oh my gosh, where is it? It's not in my Bible. Where's the fifth gospel, right? There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what the quote said was this. There's the book of Matthew, the eyewitness account of Matthew, the eyewitness account of Mark, the eyewitness account of Luke, and the eyewitness account of John, and then it's the eyewitness account of the Christian who's now have seen, have heard, have been touched by Jesus. Do you know why you're sitting here today? It's because 2,000 years ago, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John started talking about what they seen, what they heard, what they touched, what they testified to. And guess what happened? Someone who wasn't there now experienced it, and now they begin to testify to the next generation. Let me tell you what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched, how he's changed me. And the reason why you're sitting here today is because someone's been touched by Jesus and proclaimed the message, and we still proclaim it today. That's why you're sitting here. And that's what God has called us to do, is to continue the story on and on with people and use your story. You see, let me tell you one thing I know for a fact you can't do in heaven. You won't be sharing your faith in heaven. You won't have to. God did not save you just to take you to heaven. He saved you so you would continue the story, the good news, the gospels to the generation to come. God didn't bring you to Moorhead just for a job. He didn't bring you here just for your academics. He didn't bring you here just because your family moved here. God has you here to be part of his story and some form or fashion to keep the gospel moving forward. What you need to do is share your story. But here's the problem. We don't want to share our story. We don't want to share our faith. And there's a few reasons if you do some research for most people. The crazy thing is, number one, people are afraid they're going to mess up. Man, I can't share my story. What if I mess up? What if they ask me a question I don't know in the Bible? Like they start quoting Leviticus and I don't even know what Leviticus is. Right? Here's the crazy thing from the devil wants to lie to you about it. You can't mess it up. Why? Because it's your story. Listen, you can sit here and you can ask me questions that I might not be able to answer. Like, was it really six-day little creation or not? Have the gifts expired or not? Can we trust the word or not? What about the laws in the Old Testament and how comes there's not as much grace as there is in the New Testament? And you can put me in a corner and ask me questions that I can't answer. But I'm here to tell you what, there came a point in my life that I was once lost, but I've been found. I was once blind and now I see. My life has been changed. And you can never deny my story. That's why it's so important to share the story, the gospel through your eyes, how he's changed you, how he healed you of cancer, how you were about to sign the divorce papers, but then you ripped it up, how your wayward kid came home, how he broke that addiction in your life. Share your flipping story. That's what he's called us to do. You don't have to have all the. You can't mess your story up. It's your story. And the devil wants to lie to you and he said, no, you'll mess it up. That no, you shouldn't share it. And some of you really, the reason why you don't share it is because you never tried. I mean, you really never just to try to share it with somebody because you're afraid. You're afraid you might mess up. You're afraid you might not know enough. And then really the reason some people may not be like, Pastor, honestly, I've really never been trained. 
Like, I've never been trained really just to kind of share my story. Like, how do, you, how do you do that? Like, to really to evangelize. And when you think of the word evangelism, oh, my gosh, there's so much baggage that comes with that. Because some of you have seen people evangelize the wrong way. And you're sitting there going, whoa, wait, I don't want to be associated with him. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to be associated. Like, that, that's just crazy. Like, they've done it the wrong way. And so what happens is we're scared to, to evangelize. And we'll say things like this, especially church folk. Well, that's what the pastor's for. That's what the professionals are for. Like, we'll let them evangelize. Like a lady, she calls, she'll call up and she said, hey, can pastor come visit my husband? You're like, go visit your husband. Why? Because I want you to tell him about the gossip. Sick him. Sick him. Like, you want me to sick your husband? Sick him. Get him. Go get him. Like, I have some magical powers, right, to get him. I can't even save myself. And you're like, you're like you share with him. See, my responsibility is to equip the saints to be able to share their stories with the world. So I know what you're saying. You may not have the gift of evangelist. I believe that's a gift that God's given me when he handed out gifts we see in the scripture. I'm just an evangelist at heart. I want to see people come to faith in Christ. I get that part. But every one of us who are Christians are called to share our story. We've been commissioned to go. I talked about that last week, that he has sent us out. Pastor Jacob talked about how you're going to use your problems as a platform. All the pain you've gone through, God wants to use it as a platform to share your story. So let me help you real quick take this word evangelism and flip the script on it real quick so that you can just feel this pressure to relieve off your, off your shoulders when it comes to evangelism. I love this. One of my best friends in the ministry, he, he defines it like this. I love this. This is such a great definition. He says evangelism is joining a conversation that God has already started with someone. That is so good. Watch this. Evangelism is sharing my story, joining a conversation with someone where God has already been speaking to them. See, we have this assumption that people don't want to talk about God, church, religion, or spirituality. So that's false. I promise you people. See, like, I, don't, I shouldn't talk to her. They're like the biggest antichrist there is, and they don't like God and all this stuff. No, people want to talk about God. They want to talk about church. They want to talk about religion and spiritual things. So here's the assumption of change. So tomorrow when you go to work, you're like, man, I can't talk to my coworker because, man, she's like anti-church and all that stuff. And listen, listen, instead of assuming they don't want to talk about it, assume in your mind that God has already been talking to them about stuff. And if you'll flip that script where you're a cashier talking to somebody at the cashier, someone that's a waitress, just a friend you have, you could go ahead and assume that God has already been speaking to them and now share your story. And open up and share how God has changed your life. I'm telling you what, if you can get that, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. I'll never forget, we moved here several years ago. And, you know, when you move here, you cause you, you, you got to have internet, right? I mean, you got to have internet. You just can't live without it, right? Like my kid's like, Dad, I bet you had internet when you was a kid. Son, we had dial-up. You have no idea in the name of Jesus what we're talking about, right? You don't get this. And so the Tom Warner guy comes over, and he comes over and hooks stuff up at the time. And, and of course, when Tom Warner shows up at my house, you in my hood, it's game on. You come in my house, my roof, it's game on. He has no idea. We're sitting there, right, what he's about to get into. I always look for opportunities to share. I never tell people I'm a pastor. Like, I never tell. In fact, if you want to introduce me to your friend, don't come and say, hey, this is my pastor. All of a sudden, red flags, oh, snap, stay away, stay away. Like, I mean, it just carries all this connotation with it, right? So I always tell people, oh, I work with people. <laughs> what do you do? I just help people. 
And I just work with a bunch of people like, so we're sitting there like this. And this is how easy it is to share your story. I mean, seriously, like, you're crazy. This is easy, how easy it is. I'm sitting there going, what's up, man? How's it going? Did you have a good week? Yeah, I had a great week, man. How long have you been working for Time Warner? Man, I've been working about 20 years. It's crazy. Where do you live? And I live over here. Where's your territory? I travel around here. You live in Moorhead? No. How'd you get to Moorhead? Well, I started working over here at Time Warner. And next thing you know, I got a job here. And now I'm putting food on the table with my family. Life's good. And they look at you and said, are you from Moorhead? You sh- no, you didn't do it. You shouldn't have done it. I'm like, that's funny you asked. No, I'm originally from North Carolina. I was born there. I moved to Pike County, Kentucky when I was four. Dad was a pastor. Mom and dad got divorced when I was six, wasn't raised in church. Kind of went to like the church on Christmas and Easter kind of things like that. But man, I came here in 1995 as a college student, crazy college student, living like a hellion. He goes, you was a hellion? Man, I'm a hellion too. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, living like a hellion. Okay, great. He has no idea what's about to happen, right? He said, I'm working on my network cable, just doing this thing. And I'm sitting there saying, man, it's crazy. And then on September the 2nd, I went out to some Baptist place looking for a honey. Thought if I could find a honey, she would fix me. She would straighten me up. And I'm telling you what, sir, I didn't find a honey. I met Jesus. And he changed my life. And I'm telling you, I was in the computer network field for a while. Then I was a student pastor for three years. I pastored a church for three years. And then we moved here and started this crazy church. You should come visit. And he's like, please, God, someone come help me and get me. (laughs) See, when someone asks you your story, share your story. You have nothing to be afraid of. And I'm telling you what, watch this, watch this. Nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten. Here's what I find out. God has already had a conversation with them. Because here's what this guy said. He said, you know what? Me and my wife was just talking last week. We need to find a church to go back to and get plugged in. See, we assume people don't want to talk about it. But if we assume that God's already been talking to them, and he wants you to join the conversation to share your story, it's a game changer. It's a game changer for you to share your story with people. And over and over and over, share your story, what God has done in your life and through your life. I'm telling you, it would change the way you see things. I'm telling you, this is what Paul did. Paul was like, listen, here was my life before I met Jesus. I persecuted church. I was there when Stephen was stoned, and I held the coats while the people threw the rocks and killed God's man. I was there. And then I was on my way to Damascus Road, and next thing you know, a light came down, and I heard a voice going, why are you persecuting my church? And the next thing you know, here I am to testify, to preach the good news of the gospel. You see what Paul just did? He did exactly what it looks like to share your story. And here's how you do it. Very easy. Look what he did. What was your life before you met Jesus? How you met Jesus? And how has your life been changed since you've met him? That's your story. And here's the crazy thing. No one can ever deny your story. Who were you before you met Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? How has your life been transformed since you met him? That's your story. We train people through life track how to equip you to do that. You know, my wife, she looks at me and she says, I really don't have a testimony. I was five years old when I got saved at a church camp. You know, I didn't didn't go through everything you went through. I didn't live the sinful type lifestyle that you go through. And people know you have a crazy awesome testimony. And I looked at her one day and I said, honey, you don't understand. You see, people look at me, and they knew I was a hellion. They knew I needed to be radically saved when I was a junior in college. But let me tell you what, your testimony is even stronger than my testimony. She said, how is that? I said, because even in your goodness, you still needed a Savior. You're talking to a girl who never said a cuss word in her whole life, meets one, and when I got saved, 99% of my language had to change. And she looked at me, I said, listen, you still needed a Savior even though you thought you were good. Even in when you were raised in a great family and raised up in church and you didn't go through the sin stuff I went through with praise Jesus, you didn't have to. Guess what? You still needed to be saved. Folks, I'm telling you what, this is, 
how my life before I met Jesus. This is now how I met Jesus. And this is my life after meeting Jesus. And when you share your story, though, Peter gives us a way to do this. My last verse, 1 Peter 3. I want you to look at this. The church is being persecuted by the Romans and by the Jews. People are dying for their faith. And listen to what the apostle Peter writes. Verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Leave that verse up just for a moment. I'll walk you through this. First of all, look what he says. But in your hearts, revere Christ. When you share your story, share it from your heart. It's just how my life's been changed. It comes from my heart. And I'm going to share to you about Jesus, Christ as Lord. But then it goes on and says this. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. And I know what some of you think right now. I I'm not prepared. Like, I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not prepared to give an answer. That's why I don't talk about that stuff. That's why I don't mention church stuff at work. That's why I don't talk about it at school in the locker room. Because I'm not prepared. But I want you, don't, don't miss this because the devil's lied to you too much. Look what the scripture says. Be prepared to give an answer for what? For the hope that you have. Not the answer to all the theological questions of the Bible. Just give an answer for the hope. Let me tell you how my life was before I met Jesus. Here's when I met Jesus. And now I have hope to spend eternity with him. All I got to do with that passage right there is share my story for the hope that I have. And let me tell you, I don't know everything there is about the Bible, but let me tell you what I do now. I was once lost, but now I'm found. And God's changed me, and I'm going to share my story. But what about that question? I don't know that question. Some of you Christians, listen, one of the greatest things you can tell people is this. I don't know. I don't know. Like, my ways are not God's ways. I don't understand why God wants to do that. I don't know. But I do know this. I was once lost, but now I'm found. And he's changed me. They cannot deny your story. Give a reason for the hope. Not every theological questions and nuances in the Bible. But look what he said. You do this with gentleness and respect. Folks, there's a lot of Christians and a lot of people preach truth. But they do it in the wrong way. And even though you preach truth in the wrong way, listen, it's wrong. If you preach truth with no grace, that's brutality. If you preach grace but no truth, that's hypocrisy. That's why Jesus is grace and truth. But when we proclaim our stories, when we share Jesus, we do that with gentleness and respect, with truth and grace. We will not win this world to Jesus holding up picket signs. It is His kindness that leads us to repentance. So we preach truth, and it hurts, don't it? It stings. Remember, we're going to do it in grace. We're going to love you to a point where you can meet and change your story by encountering Jesus. Listen, share your story. Let me tell you something you can do tomorrow. You can go to work tomorrow. Ask somebody, what would you do this weekend? They're going to say, man, hung out with the family, watched some ball games. It was pretty cool. They're going to look at you, and here's what they're going to say. What did you do this weekend? You're going to say, man, I did the same thing. I hung out with family, watched some ball games. But, man, on Sunday, I got up and go to church. Speaking of church, you should go with me, man. 
You should come check it out. They ask you, what did you do? Share your story. So here's what I want you to do. I know a lot of people is on social media, and then social media gets a bad rap. There's a lot of things that people shouldn't be posting on social media, but that's another whole sermon. But that's just a tool that we can use to get the story and the gospel out. And we got this whole campaign leading up to Easter called Cross Equals Love. And that we're going to share people about the love of Jesus happened on the cross for them and changed their life. And we're praying for God to just radically transform this place. I mean, we're believing over 3,000 people between uh, Grayson Campus and Moria Campus going to be showing up, man, on Easter between nine services, y'all. I mean, and so it's going to happen when we disperse out and just share our story. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you, this is your homework assignment. After the game, I want you to write out your story. Just a couple paragraphs. This was my life before I met Jesus. This is when I met him. Here's my life after meeting him. And then I want you to post your story on your social gram feed. And you use the hashtag, cross equals love. That's not the number sign or a pound sign. That's a hashtag, okay? Hashtag. And the reason why, we want people to start sharing their story. And this is the way, some of you can't really orotate it yet to someone, share your story. And here's what's going to happen. I mean, we've seen this over and over and over. Like my friend, Amanda. At First National Bank, found out she has leukemia. And now look, and she listened to her story. She posted about her faith and how the strength of believers are praying for her. And we could go through about Daxton and Beckham, some of the people close to me. And, and Roman had, had two brain surgeries. And, and they're sitting there going, but God's going to be faithful. And God's going to come through. And, and God's going to show up. And they're using social media to tell the story to increase other people's faith. And here's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. I mean, even last night, I'm on the phone with Marvin Moore here at Round County here. He was the superintendent. He retired just the other day, two weeks ago. He's at the Sweet 16. His whole left of his body goes numb. He says, I don't know what's wrong with me. Come to find out he has a brain aneurysm. They rushed him to Central Baptist where he's in Lexington. And all of a sudden, he has surgery. And the doctor said, if you were 20 minutes later, you would be dead, man. And last time on the phone, he said, preacher, I'm going to tell you, I'm here to testify. God saved me, and God says a purpose and a plan for my life. We need to be sharing to the world our stories how good he is. And here's what's going to happen. I promise you this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a friend on your social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. You probably can't share your story in 140 characters on Twitter. I'm just saying. And if you're on MySpace, come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to have a whole counselor that says, get you up, okay? Come on. And here's what's going to happen. One of your friends in your feeds are going to read your story that they never knew about you. They didn't see how God healed your marriage and changed you. They didn't know that you were addicted and God broke your addiction. They didn't know how you used to live before and how God's changed your life. They didn't know that about you. And they're going to read your story. And here's what they're going to message you or comment to you. And I promise you, I promise you this is what's going to happen. They're going to say, thank you for sharing your story. Because I've been thinking through this too. I've been going through the same thing and I didn't know God could do it. But if God can do it for you, God can do it for me. I promise you, someone will watch your story and hear your story and see your story. And God will use your story to connect to his story to continue the good news for the generations to come. Could you imagine 1,500 plus people between two campuses in this region testifying what God has done in our lives? Folks, we will see an entire region transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All when what? When you begin to share your story. I'm going to ask you where to bow your heads. I hope God's encouraged you this morning. 
I hope God's inspired you this morning to say, you know what, I can do this. I don't have to be afraid to share my story. It's my story. I don't have to be afraid to evangelize. That's just joining a conversation with someone that God's already started with them. I'm just going to join the conversation. I'm telling you, if you can get that, that's a game changer. Assume people that God already had a conversation with them, and I'm telling you that would change your perspective to your classmates, your roommates, your fraternity boys, your sorority sisters, your coach, your family members. It's going to change your perspective if you'll just grasp that. So go and share your story. The world is waiting to hear the good news through your lens, through your eyes, how God's radically changed you. And for some of you here today, I believe that God is rewriting your story. Folks, I can't save you. I wish I could. I can't. I can't even save myself. I can't even persuade you to be saved. If your heart has shifted today and you realize, oh my gosh, intellectually I believed in Jesus, but I never received him. And you sense that going on in your life. That's the Holy Spirit of God persuading you, drawing you to come. Because he wants to change your story and connect it with his story so that you would have fellowship with the family and with him. So if that's you and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, say, man, I believe. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And please hear me. Saying a prayer won't save you. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, then would you pray with me and say, I'm ready for him to change my story. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe he came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I turn from my sin and put my faith in you. Jesus, rewrite my story and help me to share how you changed me. You know, I believe that several of you prayed that with me. In the first service, we saw over seven people give their life to Jesus already. You're in great company. I'm not here to embarrass you or come to you, but here's what I want you to do. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If that's you right now and you just pray with me and said, Pastors, I want you to know I just changed my story, man. Jesus radically just in, in, intercepted my life and he changed my story. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, would you be so bold to say, hey, raise your hand up so I could pray for you. Come on, get it up. Come on, I see it. Anybody else? Come on, get it up. Just want to let you know, Pastor, I just pray. God just changed my life. I want to pray for you. Sweet, awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Man, thank you guys so much for your boldness, for raising your hand. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray to close this out. And when I begin to pray, if you're on our, our next step area, our team members, when I begin to pray, I'm going to ask you for you to stand and walk out to the next step area so that uh, you can meet people out there to give their life to the Lord. And listen to me, if you're able to, when I begin to pray, if you raised your hand, I want you to beat the crowd out. Why? Because we have a gift we want to give you, some resources to help you in your walk with Jesus. And so as I pray, if you're in the next step area or you just gave your life to Jesus, when I begin to pray, if you'll just make your way on out and beat the crowd, we want to give you a resource to help you experience a better life. Come on, would you pray? Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, for the salvation that's come to your house today. God, we can't do that. It's not because of a song. It's not because of a preacher. Lord, it's because of your spirit who draws people through the gospel, the good news. You've changed people's stories today. 
God, give us the courage to proclaim what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have experienced, how our lives have been changed. God, use our story, connect it to your story, the gospel, so that lives in this region will be ever, will be changed. For instance, in Jesus' name, we ask and we pray. Come on out and everybody say it. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon. 